This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello, hello, guys. So I know we all want to be booked and busy. That is the goal as estheticians. But In order to do so, we've got to be booked. This episode is in partnership with Gloss Genius. Made for salons and spas, Gloss Genius is the only business management and payments platform that makes it easy to grow revenue and enhance the client experience. From a beautiful online booking site to powerful marketing tools and low payment processing rates, Gloss Genius empowers you to run your full salon in a stylish and smart way while feeling supported at every step. For 50% off for two months, go to the link in the show notes and enter code TTR22F. Now, without further ado, let's get back to the show. Hello, guys. Welcome back to the Treatment Room Podcast with me, your host, Tessa Zolli, licensed esthetician. And we're going to have a little Q&A today, just some solo time, you and I. I have some very exciting guests coming up. I actually am recording tomorrow with someone amazing in the nutrition space. You guys are going to love her. But I just wanted to have some one-on-one time, just us, and answer some of your questions. If you have a question, please hold on to it. Write it down in your notes app. And make sure you're following along on Instagram. My handle is myestetessa, M-Y-E-S-T-Y-T-E-S-S-A. It's always linked in the show notes. I don't have a specific podcast page, which I know I probably should, but I just don't have my life together that much. And I don't know how exciting it would be. (laughs) So I just have the one page, my aesthetics page. I also manage a page for my skincare brand, which is called Free Skin by Tessa. So between those two and trying to post on my personal account, which is kind of a ghost account, but it's at Teasels if you want to follow it. Um, I don't know. I just feel like that's enough Instagram for me. So I just have the one page. My SD test is definitely the main page. And I usually post a question box at least once a week, sometimes twice a week, whether it's for Instagram, my YouTube, or the podcast. So there's definitely a lot of opportunities to get a question answered if you would like to. Okay, let's hop into it and see how many I can answer. Okay, starting out with the first question from APM Beauty 8. She says, What's a good way to get your IG to grow? Okay. I don't know if this is an unpopular opinion, but I feel like okay, I actually have two two different ideas here. In one sense, I feel like one of the least efficient ways to get your Instagram to grow is by posting on Instagram, which probably sounds like I'm contradicting myself, but I feel like 
The only reason I was able to get some traction on my Instagram personally was actually from YouTube. And I mean, I definitely have put a lot of effort into Instagram itself, but I feel like something I did, which maybe is not for everyone, but I have always had different outlets. So I think things really started with YouTube. That was where I first started generating more of an authentic community type of audience. And I've had like maybe a few, I guess you could consider viral videos still like under a million video, uh, a million views. I'm not sure what the technical definition is, but like I'll have certain videos that pick up but for the most part, a lot of my growth has been very slow. And I'll tell you why I prefer that and why I honestly would not mind if my pages did not grow beyond what, what they are now. And that probably sounds silly, but <laughs> when I do have videos that pick up, what tends to happen is like, Okay, this last week, I got really lucky on TikTok. I posted a one-minute video of me washing my face. Nothing special. I definitely put some tips in there, but I was not thinking at all this is going to do well. <laughs> but it was just like authentic. It was in the moment. A lot of times it's the videos that are in the moment, like there is authenticity to it. I feel like people pick up on that. They like the spontaneous, like in the moment kind of thing versus something that's so thought out, structured and curated. For me, whenever I put a lot of time into a video, it's like kind of stagnant. Anyway, I noticed about this video I posted, the one minute video of me washing my face, to Beyonce. Maybe it was the song. Maybe it was the Beyonce. The song was Cuff It. It was probably the Beyonce. But as cool as it is when a video picks up and I went from 16,000 followers on TikTok to 19,000 followers. So I jumped a couple thousand followers from that one video in a couple of days. Very, very cool. But with that, a lot of times you're picking up followers who haven't been there since day one, and that's okay. You, you definitely are going to have a mix of both, and it's, people can appreciate you even if they haven't followed you from the beginning, but with that can come a lot of criticism or just people who may not necessarily understand what you're all about. Say, for example, in the context of TikTok, there's a lot of dermatologists on the app, a lot of emphasis on drugstore skincare. I've seen a lot of estheticians very undermined or like somebody will stitch their video and... Um, for lack of a better word, kind of mock us or just really look down upon professional skincare. And so with that, sometimes people just haven't seen your angle. They 
they may not understand why a face wash would be $40 and they may not be invested in learning about that. So, and it can be difficult if an audience is kind of demanding something that's just not true to who you are or true to your niche. Like with that video, I got a lot of people saying like, that's cool. What's the face wash? And if it's not at the drugstore, maybe they're not interested. So that's just one example of why I personally think like viral videos and quick success and quick growth, I think a lot of us strive for that. And that's kind of the goal in making content. You want a video to do well and pick up, but I really think the slow growth is where it's at. Like that's what is most fulfilling to me. There are so many people who have who have been in my corner from day one. And when I see them leave a comment on a YouTube video, like four years later, like it feels like a friend and I know they know me and they know my heart and there's comfort in that and it's more fulfilling to me in connecting with people and forming relationships and it's just it truly is all about the community as cheesy as it sounds but if it weren't for that I don't I don't know if I would be somebody who is super interested in content creation and with that slow growth and with people trusting you over time, I think as your goals evolve, as you do perhaps start a business or wherever life takes you, it's it's very cool to see people kind of um, just be there to catch you and kind of be be a net for you. So I just say this for anyone because I know Instagram these days especially – Instagram these days can be difficult to grow on. It it can be easy to have success if your video does pick up and you know you are doing certain things in accordance with the algorithm. But I see a lot of uh, estheticians, especially, and hear from them that they they want to grow and they want to be you know a bigger account, but. It does take time. It's not as easy as it was, you know, four or five years ago to start a page and really pick up a following. It can happen, but I just think it takes a lot more patience. So sorry for that ramble, but I would say my main tip would be to, I've said this before, but to choose other platforms aside from Instagram if you are serious about growing on Instagram. I also don't feel comfortable just putting my eggs in one basket. I know some people have the strategy of of just wanting to choose one platform and go all in on it. But for me, I don't feel comfortable with that because it's just like a platform could die off tomorrow. And another thing I would say is when a platform is new, Try not to hesitate too long. If your goal is to be successful on social media, try not to hesitate too long. I feel like I even hesitated so long with YouTube before I got the guts to do it. And it was still early enough where I I could pick up 
some sort of an audience with consistency, with effort in my videos, but the people who start earlier <laughs> are going to have a lot easier time growing. Same thing with TikTok. I had a lot of friends who, who were really hesitant to get on it. They didn't want to start another platform, which I fully understand. But then years go by and they're like, oh man, I should have done it. But, and it's true because now it's, it's harder to grow on there. It's not impossible, but it's definitely easier to grow a following when the platform is new. So maybe be real is the next thing, but I wouldn't wait too long. I would kind of jump on these platforms, try it out, see what sticks. And I think a good strategy is to have a couple of platforms. Like if you can manage that, don't put all your eggs in one basket. And when it comes to Instagram itself, I do think it's a very video-focused platform. You can definitely do your research on Instagram. There are actually a lot of educational accounts who talk about what Instagram is promoting. So I think that's smart to look into. Like There are a lot of social media educators or people who kind of talk about Instagram, like that is their content, talking about Instagram, talking about how to be successful in your reels, or even showing you trending audio sounds. So, I mean, I think right now that's kind of where Instagram is headed. It's a video focused platform. So if it were me, if I were just starting my page from scratch, I would be making a couple of reels per day, whether it was just like a quick audio sound or original content. I think there's always something to be said for original content as much as the trending sounds and, you know, the funny little voiceover videos. I think those are cool too and you can get lucky with those. But when a creator is truly original creating their own content is well-informed, I feel like over time, it just wins. Like it just does. So I would also, this is the last thing I'll say on this, but try not, I know it's hard, but try not to, to look at everyone else and do what you think will be popular or what you see somebody else doing because your secret sauce is your secret sauce. I feel like authenticity is everyone's secret sauce. If you can just genuinely be you, I think that shines through in videos, whether it's doing your skincare routine, a vlog, a little tip. I think if it's original and true and genuine to you, I think that is always the way to grow on Instagram. I think too many people try to replicate what they see succeeding in the community. And it's just, it's harder to be successful being a carbon copy of somebody else than it would be to be yourself. So that's my big advice. Brianna Albright Skincare asks, how did you find slash choose your business education mentors like Jan Marini. There's a few different ways to have a mentor. 
And it can be very, very helpful. I feel like for me, it was truly just kind of the car, like karma of the universe. So I met Jan Marini because I knew, okay, let's start from the, from the very beginning. I took a class with Michelle Phelan, who owns Concepts Institute. She actually came to my aesthetics school midway through the semester and said, you know, I own this school for advanced aesthetics, handed out her card. A few of us took the card and I was like, oh, sweet. I want to learn more than, you know, what we're learning in school. Let me take her card. Let me sign up for her class. Let me take her class. After the class, I don't even remember how we got to chatting. I don't really even remember how I became close with Michelle, but I think just, you know, raising my hand in class, maybe chatting with her a little bit. I'm a very shy, introverted person, so I know if I can do it, anyone else can, just with very small steps and milestones. And from meeting Michelle, I met a friend named Kat who actually works at Jan Marini. I asked Kat if she would like to come on my podcast. And she said, would you actually like to interview Jan Marini herself? I said, okay, (laughs) I did. And, you know, we clicked and I know Jan, she, like, I'm I'm not special. She (laughs) likes to, to talk to a lot of estheticians. She does a lot of interviews and things like that on social media. I think as a founder, that's where she puts a lot of her time. So over time, we've done lots of interviews together and we formed a relationship and just kind of clicked. And, you know, after our interviews, we would usually have like a little recap session because she's such a, she's truly such a professional she'll hop on the phone with you after an hour interview and you know ask how how she did if the interview went well she'll she'll just talk with you and we'll talk about Jan Marini we'll talk about clients we'll talk about my skin so over time we've just kind of bonded but I feel like something that's truly underrated is something that Gary Vee says all the time, which is give, 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 then ask. And it's a very old school concept. And it's kind of just karma, like do good things for other people out of the goodness of your heart. And it will probably come back to you in some way. I think people like to pay it forward. So I think there are a few ways you can go about it, but I was never like, I set my sights on Jan Marini. I choose Jan Marini. It's just, it's a small world of aesthetics. And I mean, it just goes to show truly you want to be nice to everyone, say yes to opportunities or I don't, I'm personally actually somebody who's not a big like networker. Like I I would actually like to be better at this. Some of my best friends are very good at networking and they're very social. Shout out to Ashley Curtis and Agent Rx, Josh. 
They are social butterflies. They love having like cocktail mixers with other professionals, going to big events. For me, I'm so introverted. That kind of thing actually is very intimidating to me. But I feel like there are ways everyone can network. It doesn't have to be going to big trade shows or conferences. If if that doesn't feel authentic to you, I would personally like to push myself a little bit out of my shell to do more of that. But I think networking can happen like in your own backyard and your wherever you live, there are likely aesthetics professionals. I'm very lucky because Jan Marini is not too far away from me. So we kind of had a little circle without me realizing it, but it's like somebody you could look up to that much could really be within your network and not be that far away. But again, going back to give, 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 ask, I think it's something it something that really is underrated. Like instead of just going to somebody you look up to's Instagram and messaging them, "Hey, I have a question. Hey, I need this. Hey, can you tell me the answer?" There's so much I think to be said for old-fashioned manners and getting to know somebody before you ask a favor, which seems so common sense, but I think it's it's been a little bit lost in translation these days because everyone is so accessible, but <clears throat> treating everyone, I think, as a person, not just as a resource, is really the way to build lasting relationships. And, you know, you can pay for coaching calls these days. I do mentorship. I have good friends that do mentorship. Ashley and Josh both do mentorship. There's lots of great esthetician coaches out there. And I don't think it's a bad idea to pay somebody for their time. I have had mentors. I've gone to countless classes with Douglas Preston, paid for mentorship calls with him. And, you know, even just paying for classes and then getting to know the instructor um, in a way that's like normal and natural and being a human, not just what can I take, take, take from you. It's just letting things be human. And maybe that's why I have like the word networking rubs me the wrong way because it just reminds me of people who are just like after getting something, um, like they just have a career goal and it, I feel like that word almost implies you're like using each other to move up the ladder for connections. And to me, I'm so turned off by that. So I think it's just about, again, having normal, natural relationships and putting yourself in situations to reap the benefits like going to classes and that's something that's been a little bit lost in the pandemic but like going to in-person classes I wouldn't know Jan Marini now if I hadn't gone to an in-person class with Michelle had I not picked up that business card and thought I'm going to sign up for this class. I'm going to do something to 
advance myself. I'm going to put myself out there. I'm going to talk to the teacher, even though I'm kind of nervous and shy. Your goals are not always as far away as they seem, or knowing somebody is not as out of reach as it might seem. Nothing's more of a turnoff than not having people skills and just like wanting to take. I think we really need to keep that keep that human connection alive. Like nobody likes to feel used or just, you know, like you don't appreciate their time. So just good old fashioned manners and having relationships before you ask for something. I think that can really pay off, but you can also hire someone to be your mentorship coach. Um, The tip I would share there is just to make sure you really understand what are they about? What is their expertise? Because there are estheticians who specialize in having a product line like myself or an esthetician who has managed many employees in a big spot. That's not something I would coach somebody on. I would instead refer you to somebody like Ashley or you just want to know more about working in the treatment room and you want to be a solo esthetician, my friend Josh would be a great person in that scenario. So just making sure you understand the person you are receiving the mentorship from and you clearly understand and define your goals. That's one thing I talk about with a lot of friends who do offer mentorship one area where there can be a disconnect is somebody wants to sign up for for help because right they're lost which we've all been there but you can get so much out of the mentorship call if you know exactly what you need and you know that person is somebody who's done it before jules22262 says thoughts on spironolactone So I definitely do have thoughts on spironolactone, but I want to be clear, this is not medical advice. It's not a recommendation. It's just my thoughts. So spironolactone is originally a blood pressure medication, but it is used in dermatology as an anti-androgen or anti-male hormone therapy. It's often used for the treatment of acne, where it's most successful is the treatment of hormonal acne on the jawline and the neck. Spironolactone can also be used for hair loss and excess hair growth, which is kind of interesting and everyone may not know that. There are definitely side effects to this drug. Pretty much every drug does have some side effects. It shouldn't be used by pregnant women And it shouldn't be used if you have significant impairment of your kidney, but you definitely want to talk to your doctor about that, all the possible side effects, which could be upset stomach, headache, definitely can increase your (laughs) need to urinate and go to the bathroom. It is a diuretic. When it comes to spironolactone, and drugs. I feel like this is a a good conversation to have, again, as non-medical professionals, but just within 
the industry. Of course, I feel like getting to the root of skin problems when possible is so important. I have seen hormonal acne. (laughs) It's funny because I was literally just looking at my TikTok and somebody commented, quick question, how do you can you, how do you treat hormonal acne? I was like, it's not a quick question. I wish it was. There's so much to it. There's so many questions you want to cover. And I think this is something really best treated with a consultation, proper home care and lifestyle management, and possibly, possibly medication. But when it comes to hormonal acne, I have seen many things really exacerbate it. I've seen the wrong birth control that's too low in estrogen. I've seen that be a trigger. We're talking about IUDs or oral contraceptives. So definitely important to talk to your doctor about what might be the right birth control for you, especially if you are acne prone. I have seen hormonal acne triggered by excess stress and not properly taking care of yourself and managing stress. I have seen it exacerbated by digestive issues or not being able to go to the bathroom and properly release. I've seen it exacerbated by certain dietary triggers, not eating enough fruits and veggies and whole foods, eating a diet rich in dairy, So it can really be a number of things. So I think, you know, those things are so important to explore. And, you know, so for example, if somebody's on the wrong birth control, can spironolactone help? Yes, but we still want to look at what is possibly the, the root problem. On the other hand, I've seen clients who are doing everything by the textbook, you know, and I've even seen them run all the blood work and, you know, they don't show any markers for PCOS. They don't have hormonal imbalance or so blood work says. Um, I, at the same time, I feel everyone deserves to have their skin treated. So I really do not look down on any medication if, if it has been prescribed appropriately. Whether it's Accutane or Spironolactone, I know the A word. I, I really think, you know, how can we possibly understand what is going through somebody's head day to day. And I feel like in this industry, I hear a lot of, um, you know, just stigma around medications and kind of pressure that you should treat things naturally. But everyone has a different, like, mental bandwidth for their skin health. I think, you know, as estheticians, we know the value of somebody getting their skin clear. We see the mental toll it can take on somebody day to day. So I really don't have anything against medication as long as it is appropriately prescribed. That said, please don't um, misinterpret what I'm saying because 
I'm as holistic and crunchy granola as it gets. I absolutely, I mean, there's a reason my consultations are an hour long. I believe in looking at all the possible root triggers, but at the same time, I want, I want the best for everyone. I want everyone to have their best possible mental health and skin health. The other thing is when it comes to jawline hormonal acne, this is a very tricky type of acne to treat topically. One of my mentors, Douglas Preston, always says when it comes to hormonal acne and somebody's coming in for a treatment, the biggest benefit they're getting is closing their eyes for an hour and not being on their phone and having that stress relief because it is such an internal thing. And sometimes this type of acne is very resistant to topical treatments, even the most effective ones like benzoyl peroxide or retinol or chemical peels. And the risk with this type of acne, because it is so deep, it cannot be extracted when it is more of an inflamed cyst. So there's not even so much we can do as estheticians when it comes to trying to treat or extract or peel. So that's where I can see big value in the medication for somebody, especially because this type of acne is so prone to scarring. And with scarring, that's a really big conversation I want to have with my client because especially if they're very very young and they haven't they haven't really learned the consequences of picking or trying to extract at home, it may not bother them now, but In 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, they may still be reminded of those scars. So spranolactone, I'm I'm definitely not against it. I think it has a place in our industry and that's something I would certainly refer out to if this was a type of acne that was really persisting because the more time that goes on that my client is prone to to scarring I'm really doing them a disservice so there's definitely a time and place to refer out for a prescription and it's not a bad thing to do it's not that you're letting your client down that you're disappointing someone there are truly limitations to what we can do as estheticians and that's okay. We want to stay within our scope of practice and we want our client to be happy. So even if you've referred someone out and that is successful, that's a win for you too. Astrolux Aesthetics says, I'm working on my first podcast episode ever. Any tips? That's so cool and exciting. Congratulations. My advice would be to record the episode And even if you don't love it, (laughs) upload it anyway, and then come back every week and do the same thing. Keep putting yourself out there. Don't let perfectionism stand in the way of creating content. I'll tell you, 100% of the time, every single episode I record, there's something I didn't like about it or I didn't like most of it. 
but I publish it anyway because a handful of you might tell me that it educated you, it supported you, you felt like it entertained you on a drive, or you feel like you know somebody in the industry because of the podcast, or you feel a little less alone. That keeps me moving forward. That keeps me recording. It it pushes me to upload every single week, even though I don't like the sound of my own voice. And even though when I'm editing, I could easily pick myself apart to shreds. But I keep doing it because it's maybe of some value to somebody else. And that feels really, really cool. Like it's a really cool feeling to have people listen to you or to have you as a piece of their day. Like that, that is something that's very special. And it's why I keep doing it. But that's my main advice. Just keep going. Keep keep publishing episodes and stay consistent with it. It's going to be the most exciting in the beginning, but the true test is seeing if you can do it week to week and don't stand in your own way. Skin Placement says, can a spa legally be ran at home? It can. There are definitely limitations to it. There's a lot of requirements and it's going to to depend on your state. So you want to look up, I think it's called the establishment application, and you want to look it up based on your state. And it's a long application. I haven't finished mine. I've been dabbling with this idea. And I still don't know if I've spoken too soon about this because I don't know when I'm going to have time to fill out a nine-page application and go through this whole checklist while running my business, managing my social media, keeping my clients happy. It's something I definitely want to do, but I haven't gotten around to it yet. But let's look it up. I want to see what some of these requirements are. I mean, this is long. Let's see. Okay, they say hand-washing facilities. Every establishment shall provide adequate hand-washing facilities, including soap, paper towels, or air hand dryers, and hot and cold running water adjacent to the toilet room. One covered waste container for the disposal of hair disinfectant solution mixed according to manufacturer's directions, available for use at all times. Closed, clean cabinets, drawers, or containers to hold all clean, non-electrical tools, towels, gowns, smocks, linens, and sheets. So it's a lot of the same requirements you would have for a normal spa. I'm pretty sure state board still comes to your business once you're ready to be a business and, and start taking paying clients. So yeah, you just need to fill out the application. There's a list of frequently asked questions. Can I have a washer and dryer in the restroom? No, it's considered storage. It would be a violation of code section 7351. So lots of little things like that. Can you guys see why this is like, it's going to take some time. It's going to take some time, but I would like to do it. I would like to make a goal. I do have a room where I have a treatment bed. My sister, my stepmom will plop on the bed. I'll give them 
a little treatment because I like to remain connected to the skin and help them out. But legally to do this with paying clients, you definitely need to go through all the regulations and that's the way to do it legally. You also want to bear in mind, not every line will partner with a home spa. I know Glymed will, but there are other brands, especially more medical brands that require a medical director that won't allow it. But I think it's cool. I think if you have the spare room, if you can do it in a certain way and still provide an experience and it benefits you, I'm all for it. I have a couple of friends who are doing it now who are amazing estheticians and this is what's supporting them in their life and it's it's what's manageable for them. So I think a home spa could be cool. License, can't find a decent paying job. It's just enough to live on. Thinking of just going solo. Okay, there's definitely layers to this conversation, and I hear you. It's really frustrating. I remember after I graduated school and got my license, there was a period of, I think, five months where I could not find a job, and eventually I did, and it wasn't a high paying job. You definitely want to consider the structure of, you know, what your salary is going to be. Is it hourly? Are you getting a percentage of the services? Are you getting tips? Are you getting commission from your retail sales? Maybe it's a combination of those things. It's it's such an important conversation. I feel like when you look up esthetician salaries, they're always they're always lower than what what I know my friends to be making. So they're not always accurate. I think it comes down to experience level. I think that is the most important thing before opening your own space. I would personally, I, this is not going to fly for everyone, but I would like to make mistakes on somebody else's dime. I would like to learn on somebody else's dime and I'd want to be very confident in my skills before I opened my own space. I would want to make sure I truly love my craft. That is the most important thing. A lot of people do go solo successfully because they want to be making decent money. They want to be in control of, of their income. And that's real. I, I get that. And I think if you're entrepreneurial enough, that can drive you to be very successful, deliver a high quality of, of care for your clients, and to enjoy it because you enjoy being successful and being in business for yourself. That's something I did not expect for myself. I really always envisioned myself working for other people until the pandemic happened and I I started to think about being in business for myself now I would not trade it for anything I I don't think I would enjoy working for somebody else ever again but I would just be careful and really think about the reasons why and where you're at and if your experience and talent 
is at a level where you feel comfortable investing in having your own solo business because it may not be a lot of income in the beginning. You might even be in the red, (laughs) which is very common for a lot of people in their first year in business. So that's something you want to think about too. Do you want to wait a little bit longer, find a job working for somebody else where you can save to a point where you're comfortable investing in a suite, which could be maybe a really nice stepping stone where you're not paying for a big brick and mortar lease, but you do have your own space. I think the most important things are your passion and your experience level. I would make sure those things were 100, like no doubt about them. You're willing to bet on yourself because that's what going solo really is. Next question from Sarah Esthetician. How do you like working for yourself? A little bit related to what we just talked about. It's amazing and it's really hard at the same time. And I think that's kind of the season of life I'm in right now. Like things are so good. And at the same time, there's hard things happening in my life, happening in my day to day. So I'm trying to kind of normalize that. But it's not easy being a business owner because with that comes a lot of setting boundaries I feel like half my job is people testing me and having to be direct but kind, but also looking out for my overall business and my overall clients. Sometimes that has to take priority over individual requests. So it can be hard saying no to somebody or choosing yourself when you have to or setting boundaries. I think that's been the hardest thing about working for myself, especially as somebody who didn't understand boundaries were okay to have growing up. I feel like I grew up in an environment where I was kind of the um, absorber of a lot of problems or instability. So I learned to put my needs on the back burner oftentimes. And I'm now stepping into a season of my life where now I'm so firm in my boundaries, almost maybe too firm. I'm kind of working on trying to fine tune, standing up for myself when needed Um, but doing so in a a, a kind way. But when you've repressed those feelings or when you haven't ever set boundaries before, there's definitely a little bit of a learning curve to it, but it's so essential for business and staying happy in your business and just making sure you're not completely drained and, and you don't allow the stress to take away from what you do get out of the business because you want to be happy. That's how you're going to have sustainability, how you're going to enjoy doing what you do. With that, being on social media a lot, having to block people or just not look at comments um, because they can be mean. And that is the reality of, of growing a social media channel. 
the day-to-day is hard. It's hard to show up on social media. It can be hard to show up in your business when you're not 100%. But that's also part of it is is being able to do that um, daily and, and having some grit and enjoying it and having moments of gratitude along the way. But yeah, it's it's not just a glamorous, easy thing you see on Instagram. And the only way to really know is to try and to do your best, even as a new business owner starting out. So anyone listening who's kind of new to this as I am, I mean, I've been doing this a couple of years now, but it, it doesn't like no challenge ever gets easier. I think you just get better at knowing who you are and what you stand for and what you will tolerate and what you won't. Last question is from Freckle Beauty House. She says, how do you have the confidence to just show up? I'm always too insecure. Oh my goodness, this breaks my heart. I feel you. I always go back to YouTube, but I remember it being so hard to upload my very first video. That's what I was kind of referencing with just putting the first podcast episode you create out there and continuing to do that, having repetition with it, because I remember when I was thinking about pressing upload on that first video, I still remember it. I recorded it. It was basically like photo booth on my computer. I recorded it in my living room. I had way too much eyeliner on, (laughs) but, um, you know, I was passionate about skincare and I, I, whatever, I did my little video and it was so hard to press upload because I was thinking about, okay, who are the people from my high school who are going to see this? Are, you know, former friends or ex-boyfriends going to see this? What are they going to think about this? Like, those are all reasons should not stop you from doing something that excites you. Nobody cares at the end of the day. As cringy as you might feel posting the video, I promise you somebody else is going to see it. They're going to spend maybe five seconds deciding if they're going to like it or not or probably just automatically like it when they see your cute face and they're going to move on with their life and they're going to think about their own problems and their own to-do lists and their own needs. People really aren't thinking about you as much as you think they are. That's what held me back for years when I could have started YouTube earlier. Everything happens for a reason, but I, I could have started sooner. I think it happened at the right time. I didn't know my channel was going to be about aesthetics. I just happened to be going to esthetician school at the time I started recording. I started recording little vlogs of my life. That's what picked up because there was a white space. There were hardly any estheticians on YouTube talking about what the career entailed. So it really worked out because it was a niche. It it was an unsaturated market at the time. So it did work out, but yeah, I mean, it's like, had I let what if a handful of people who I don't even communicate with to this day, 
control my destiny, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here right now. I wouldn't have the opportunities I do have. I probably wouldn't have my own business or my own product line. I wouldn't have the friendships I do now. I wouldn't have the income I do now. I wouldn't have the freedom to do what I want day to day. I wouldn't have the freedom to decide my schedule. Um, and I have a really beautiful life that I have created out of passion and putting myself out there. It's possible for anyone, but it's hard. You gotta upload things even though you feel like it could be better sometimes. And I think the confidence, the confidence really just came from the repetition. When it comes to the confidence, this is such a a big conversation. Everyone deserves confidence and it's something that's very, like it wavers for me a lot. And I think as a kid, I did not have self-confidence and it was something I really had to do a lot of deep work to repair. And I still do daily to remind myself that I deserve to take up space. I deserve to have a voice as much as anyone else. But the predominant thought in my mind is you don't deserve that. So I I work really hard to remind myself of that. And I just say that because I, I know it looks easy when you just see a one minute reel on Instagram and you just see a little snippet and somebody can look so confident. But <laughs> there's a lot of talking myself up that goes into that. And there's therapy that goes into that. There's daily meditation, truly trying to change the way I talk to myself because I can so easily find the negative thing or the thing I would change or the thing that's wrong or that I don't like about myself. But really leaning into what I do offer and working on myself, working out. I feel like lifting weights has actually done a lot of positive things for my confidence. It feels good to feel strong and to take up space and to see the growth and progress. I feel like that helps build a lot of confidence, but I think your confidence comes from repetition. It comes from seeing, okay, I recorded this video. I posted it. I did it. I can do it again. I didn't let those five people I'm thinking about from high school, I didn't let their their opinion of me decide what I do with my life. You cannot. I try not to let other people's opinions of me affect how I feel about me. So I don't get too high off of positive comments. I'm not going to get low based on some trolls who are having a bad day commenting whatever they want to say. I just don't think much of it either way. I make friendships. Some people may not like me and that's okay. You don't have to be for everyone, but I do think in time, showing yourself that you can show up for yourself is what really 
helps to instill confidence. And this is the last thing I'll say. I remember seeing this poster in my dentist's office when I was really little. And it said, confidence comes from knowing the way. And I remember just staring at it and feeling like, but I don't know the way. I want to be confident, but I don't know the way. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just a kid. And I still don't know the way. I just know that I can show up for myself. I know even if nobody else likes the video, I liked making the video. I felt like there was a reason I made the video. So that's what you have to hold to. And then don't think too much of it. When it comes to content creation, it has to be repetition and it has to be at scale. It's the only way to grow. So you can't get so caught up in critiquing yourself. And you shouldn't let a little voice in your head hold you back from something you want to do. I know if you're saying, how do I have the confidence to show up? You actually didn't even specify what you're showing up for. I don't know why I just assumed it's social media. But if you're saying you want to show up, like how do I have the confidence to show up? I know you want to. So make the content or do the thing. You don't even have to publish it or post it. I did this with YouTube. I would record before I posted a, a video. I recorded it a few times and there were a few versions I never did anything with but I got more comfortable with the process of sitting in front of the camera which is not it's not easy it's still hard for me I've been doing this for years and I still have to do retakes and that's okay it does get a little bit easier, but you have to get comfortable with sitting in front of the camera, looking at the camera, talking to the camera. It does get easier with time, but you just have to put yourself in that environment and trust that it's going to be okay. And once you post it, you stop thinking about it. Like now when I go to post a video, as long as I like it, I'm not spending much time at all thinking about who's not gonna like it. Sometimes those thoughts do creep back in, but at the end of the day, I just don't care enough to let it stop me. I know that if there's a benefit for somebody else or it helps me to grow and to grow my business, to reach more people and support more people and do what I love, it's worth it. What's the worst thing that can happen. Somebody doesn't like it, so what? They're not meant for you anyway. You're going to find your true tribe and supporters in being yourself and showing up. And that's what's really, really cool about social media. I think that's all I have for you today. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you liked this episode. Please let me know if you did. You can leave me a little review or share the episode with a friend if you feel so inclined, if it feels good to you. Thanks guys for listening and I will talk to you next week.